Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We're thrilled you've joined us for this week's podcast. Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through a powerful five-part series entitled Relationships. In this series, we learn how God wants us to deal with relationships, especially the tough ones that can drain us. May God bless you today as you enjoy this week's message. So let's talk about marriage. You ever heard kids talk about marriage? <laughs> I, need, I need a chance to take a breather up here and kind of compose myself. So uh, check this out as we listen to some kids share about marriage. When you find somebody you love, you can marry them if they say yes. Marriage, I think, is a relationship between two people um, that love the, each other very much. I wasn't born then. To always love your husband. Um, basically a relationship between a, fe- a male and a female. That people are in love. My mom and my dad met in college. They really want to have kids, so... So... They can make more people and more people to worship God. Twenty years ago. Ten years. About seventeen minutes. Four <laughs> hundred a week. Fifteen weeks. Uh, I think one hundred eighty years. Twenty-five to twenty-six years. She buys me shoes. Well, basically, she's um the base. She brings them to school. She's a mom. A mom is a person like who loves her kids and she'll take care of them. And even though she gets frustrated, my mom makes um chocolate chip cookies for my dad. She's a hospital woman. Me and my mommy go out and go to a store. She cleans up. <laughs> it's somebody who really likes their husband and they help each other. It's kind of the same thing as a mom. My daddy fixes my cars. He plays tennis with me. He's a boy, and he sometimes he wears a tie to church. Uh, he's a dad. My dad's Shaq. <laughs> he, he works and does that so we can so he can have some money so we can go different places. Watch TV. My husband cooking him breakfast, so she doesn't have to do it. My daddy takes my mommy on a date. So... So what is marriage? I, I, I hope to spend time today and actually talk to the folks who are dating or single or recovering from divorce. I want to speak to you today. I want to also speak to the married folks. Those who are married in the house today. I want to actually hopefully unpack some teaching that will apply to every single one of you regardless of 
where you are. And to get us into that, I just want to ask a question. And I want full participation from all of our campuses. I want you to just answer me. Ladies, I want to speak to you first. Ladies, and just be honest with me about this. How many of you, when you were a kid, you dreamed of getting married? You, you actually, you dreamed of that man, that boy that you would date. And you actually pictured him in your mind. You dreamed of a fairy tale wedding. I mean, it had everything and it was perfect. And then you dreamed of your man picking you up and carrying you across the threshold of a perfect home. And maybe it had a white picket fence. And you dreamed of him rubbing your shoulders late at night. And you dreamed of him, maybe if you like this kind of stuff, rubbing your feet and talking to you and holding you and caressing you. Come on, ladies. Be honest. How many of you dreamed of such a thing? Look at there. Look, all over this place. I'm sure at all, all the campuses. Now, now, guys, how many of you dreamed of that? what I thought. If you did dream of that, no offense, bro, but listen, you need to give the usher on your way out tonight your man card or today. Because no offense, but I don't know if you're even welcome here. Um, like, like, just kidding. Just kidding, guys. Guys, come on. How many of you dreamed of this, guys? This is what you dreamed of when you dreamed of marriage. You dreamed of having sex two times a day and three times on Sunday. <laughs> Glory. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus up in this place. Huh? See, see, we're just different. You know what I'm saying? We're, <laughs> we're just different, man. And, 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 and marriage, marriage, man, listen. And here's, here's my question to you. Seriously, whatever you dream, how many of you are still dreaming? We just went from about 90% to about 1%. Because marriage is hard work. Right, right? Someone once said that marriage is like getting a phone call in the middle of the night. You get the ring... And then you wake up. It's hard. Hard work. But I want to let you know today that growing a good marriage is possible. I want to categorically tell you that you can have an awesome marriage. Marriage. I believe that. And we have some of those in this church. And I just want to take a moment and honor folks who've been married a long time. Like if you're here and you've been married 20 plus years, would you stand up? Ho, 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 wait, 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 wait. No, stay standing, stay standing, stay standing. If you're here and you've been married 30 plus years, would you stand up? No, you guys stay standing. I want all of you to stay standing. I'm sorry. I'm not being clear. Everybody. So if you've been married 30, 30 plus years, stand up. Everybody. If you've been married 20 or 30 or 40 years plus, would you stand up? Oh, look at those people. Now, I, I'm a, I don't know about this. If, if you've been married 50 plus years with all these other people, would you stand up 50 plus years? Give it up for these people. Yes. Now you can be seated. Now you can be seated. It was that famous author by the name of Unknown who said, Love at first sight is nothing special. It's when two people have been looking at each other for years that it becomes a miracle. Amen? It's true. I love what Socrates said. He said, By all means, marry. If you get a good wife, you'll become happy. If you get a bad one, you'll become a philosopher. 
marriage is just difficult work. And I just want to give you some statistics. And I know we've heard about some of these stats, but I I put a little twist to them. And actually, I'm thankful to my sermon research team, particularly Ray Chow, who actually presented these to me recently. Listen, people are getting married later in life. Marriage is basically on the decline. The median age of those married for the first time is currently 28 years old. Of age. In 1960, it was 23. The marriage rate continues to decline in the United States. In fact, it's been a decline of more than 50% from 1970 to 2010. Marriage has declined by 50% in terms of popularity. Today, and this is hot off the press, on page 66, the State of Our Union says this. The number of people who would say that their marriage can be described as happy is about 60%. That's not including those who've divorced. That's just those who are currently married. Only about 60% say that they are happy. Now, come on, guys. About 50% of the marriages end in divorce. So let me just break that down for you today. Let me turn it into reality for you. If I told you that the cereal that you are going to eat tomorrow morning, whatever cereal you like, think of your best cereal. If I told you that if you keep eating that cereal, you have a 50% chance of dying from cancer. I don't know, but I think you'd stop eating that cereal. If I told you that This week, wherever you're investing your money, your portfolio, if I told you that you had a 50% chance of losing it all tomorrow, my hunch is that you would actually change your investment. If I told you that when you walked out of your house tomorrow morning to go to work, you had a 50% chance of being attacked and killed by demon-possessed Kitty cats. (laughs) Chances are you would call in sick. And yet, we can buy a marriage license. I just signed one last night. We can buy a marriage license for $30 and say I do. It's incredibly important that Christians learn to invest in their marriage. That is why I am so glad you are here today, hungry, ready to lean in and let God speak to you in your dating, soon to be married life, or in your marriage. So for those of you who've been married, think about what you stood before God and some pastor probably, and you said one day. I remember it like it was yesterday. I, Benji, take you, Amy Lynn, To be my wedded wife. To have and to hold. And if you know the words, you can kind of mutter them with me. If you're sitting by your spouse, maybe you would grab your spouse's hand. To have and to hold. From this day, what? Forward. For better, for worse. For richer, for poorer. In sickness and in health. To love and to cherish till death us do part. According to God's holy word, I pledge you my faith. And I usually include this last part, and maybe it was in your vows, so help me God. 
Now, I think when we say, so help me God, we kind of just like, you know, so help me God. (laughs) But what I want to get you to understand is when you make those vows with somebody for life and you say, or maybe today you put this in your vows, if you will, so help me God. It's actually a declaration that God would help you in your marriage. And here's the problem in our culture. Most of us walk around, and I want to speak to the dating folks here, the single folks. Most of us walk around looking for our future spouse. And as I said a few weeks ago, there's nothing wrong with looking for your spouse. There's nothing wrong with being passionate about that. God has hardwired you that way. But what many of us do is we look around for a spouse who's going to try to fulfill all of our needs. And I just wanted to let you know on the very front end today that no human being is going to fulfill your needs. And so this is how it usually goes down. He's like, oh man, I found her. She is smoking hot. She is everything I've ever wanted. I love the way she looks. I love the way she smells. I think I found my number one. I think I found the one. Here's what she does, just a broad stroke in here, stereotyping, if you will. But she says, oh, oh, I think I found the one. He is so cute. He takes long walks with me. He, he holds my hand. He has a cute little behind. I really love him. I think I found the one. Now, see, the problem with all of that is I'm waiting for someone to rise up and say, oh, I think I found who's going to be my spouse. I really like them. I really enjoy being with them. I think I found my number two. See, the problem in our culture is that we start to make a spouse do those things in our lives that only God can do. Come on now. Here's what I want to say to you. Take out your teaching notes. Listen, God is your number one and your spouse is your number two. Now look at your spouse and say, sorry, babe, you just got put down to number two. (laughs) Read it with me out loud. Ready? Go. God is your number one and your spouse is your number two. I spoke about this in 2011 and it really resonated with some of you. And so I'm going to unpack it a little bit more today. When Jesus was asked, what is the first and greatest commandment? He didn't say, hey, I've got an idea. Love your spouse with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. No, he didn't, did he? He said, read it out loud with me from Matthew's gospel. He said this, love the Lord your God with all your And with all your soul and with all your mind, this is the first and greatest commandment. Let's continue. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as your spouse. So listen, if you're a single person, never been married or maybe you've been married and you're back playing the field. Listen to my message a few weeks ago. It was just to the dating folks. I talked about playing the field and playing with God's rules while you play the field, determining what is your playing field. But if you're single here today and you're, you're in the dating game, if you will, God is your number one and your 
spouse is your number two. Don't buy the lie that culture tries to teach you that you're ever going to find. Oh, we, we have words for it, you know. I've, I found my soulmate. I found the one who completes me. I found the one who fulfills me. Listen, marriage, even at its best, the person does not fulfill you or complete you, I should say. The person can fulfill you. But God is the one who completes us. You don't seem quite convinced yet. But it is true church. So if you're dating, if you're single, I just want to do this. I just want to do this. Just for, I do this for you. If you're single, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise it up high. Raise it up high. Hold them up high. Okay, now look around. Look around. God, God, who, God might do something in here today. I'm just saying. The church is a great place to find someone. But even as you looked around, listen, that person is not, nor will he or she ever be your Number one, here's another way of putting it. Write this down. I will seek the one while preparing for what? Single people, hear me, hear me, hear me. I will seek the one while preparing for my two. The problem that we have as single people is we actually say we're going to be Christians. We call ourselves Christians, but we're on the hunt. We're doing our thing. We're looking for our spouse. We're obsessed with finding the right person. When in reality, the best thing you can do, listen, single person, is go after God with everything that is inside of you. Seek Him what does Matthew 6, say? Come on, church, you know this. Seek first what? The kingdom of God and what? His righteousness and what? All these things will be added unto you. Seek God, single person. Divorcee. Seek God, he is God. You put him first. He will put that person in your path if you're supposed to be married. Andy Stanley pastors a church in Atlanta, Georgia. And Andy tells this story about a young woman. And like I said, we all know people like this. We, we call ourselves Christians, but sometimes we don't act like it. We don't live like it. Well, this girl was raised in the church. She was, she was brought up in a Christian home. And she did what many of us do. She, she graduated from high school and she went off to college. And when she went off to college, she, she started getting involved in the wrong things. She started drinking. She started doing some drugs. And yes, she started sleeping around a lot. But those seeds of faith were still planted inside of her. Stanley says that she came home from school one day after meeting the man of her dreams. She, like a lot of you, she... She had dreams as a child of the kind of guy that she wanted to marry. And so she was sitting in the kitchen and she was telling her mom, Mom, I have found him. He's incredibly bright. He is a leader. Mom, he actually mentors young men. He loves God with all of his heart. He's a leader in the church. Mom, he's awesome. And, and, and her mom actually looked at her and said, Honey, I'm afraid to tell you this. But a guy like that is not going to want to be with a girl like you. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Single person, 
Are you being the person now that a great godly person is going to want to be with? Young person playing the field. Are you seeking God in all of his righteousness? Seeking first what? The kingdom and letting God bring that person to you so that when God does bring that awesome, unbelievable person into your path, you're actually being the young man, the young woman that that person is looking for. These are incredibly important things for you, single person, divorced person, to wrestle to the ground on the front end before God puts that person in your path. Now, let me speak to the married people here, the married people. Write this in. I will always seek the one with my two. I will always seek the one with my two. Married people, out loud. Ready? Go. I will always seek the one with my two. One more time. I will always seek the one with my two. Many of you have seen this before. Let me just sketch a little something out for you. Many of you have seen the triangle, right? We all love the triangle, you know? See, you know what what I'm talking about. The triangle. Draw this on your teaching notes. Here's the triangle. And this has been taught over and over and over again. And it it works, but I hope to expand it a little bit for you today. You put God at the top of the triangle. Okay, we've all seen that done. That's seeking first his kingdom. And then you put man on one side. And woman on the other. And the whole point of the teaching, listen, is that as we grow toward God, what happens, church? We do what? We grow closer to what? One another. And it works and we like it and it makes us feel all good inside. But here's the problem with the triangle. The problem with the triangle is that if you're anything like me, the truth is there are days when you're growing close to God, but there are days when you take your eyes off of God and you put your eyes on your spouse. Am I the only one? No. There are days when, when if we're not careful, the man and the woman can actually start looking to their spouse to meet the needs that only Christ Jesus was intended to meet. For track and say Amen. And so when this happens, this whole, this whole deal right here, when this happens, we have a tendency to idolize, write in the word idolize, or demonize. Come on, you know you will idolize your spouse or the one you're dating and you'll get married and before long you'll start demonizing that person. Come on. He said, she's such a leader. She's such a go-getter. She's such a task-oriented person. Then he got married to her six months later. He said, she's a freaking control freak. (laughs) Nags, 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 nags all the time. One woman said to me, oh, he's so awesome. He always has time for me. We take these long walks together. He listens. He always will sit on the couch with me and hold me. 
Then she married him. Six months later, he's a bump on a log. He won't do anything, pastor. What are we doing? What are we doing? We're doing. We're, we're idolizing and we're demonizing when we start looking at the person to meet our needs. Now, let me just offer something a little different today as we start to wrap up here. Let me offer another diagram because, you know, most of us in here, we've seen the triangle. Okay? Okay? Man, woman, Christ. What I'm saying to us today in this very first installment on marriage is that if you want to grow a healthy, fulfilling marriage, take your eyes off of one another and put your eyes on Christ And let him, as you serve him, as you worship him, together as a couple, and you grow in Christ. And yes, you become close to Christ. You actually become close to one another and love your spouse as God intended it. It takes away this stuff that goes this way, man and woman, and enables a person to actually become who God is calling that person to be and enables that person's spouse to become who God is calling that person to be. And when you get two people who are growing in Christ, who are, who are laying down their lives for Christ, marriages are anointed, set apart to go the distance. Are you with me? Say amen. Now, I want to teach you two ways, just two, that you can do that today. Just two ways, okay? Two ways that I would say to the married people or for the dating people who are taking really, really good notes because you know one day you want to be married. I want to say to you two key ways that you make this diagram come to life. Here's the first one. Prayer. Here's the first one. Prayer. You'll see it in your notes this way. To seek God together in what? Out loud, church. Ready, go. To seek God together in prayer. How do we do it? How do we, how do we take this concept that I'm talking to you about today, growing in Christ? We actually pray together as a couple. Do you pray together as a couple. Now, now, I want to just acknowledge something here because I, I just know you, okay? I know you. And you know why I know you? Because I know me. And everybody, and every time you bring up the subject of prayer, here's what happens in a room. We all start to feel guilty because none of us in here actually feel like we pray enough. I mean, don't get me wrong. There might be two of you, <laughs> And you're probably right. I mean, you are the super spiritual person. And I love you. I'm seriously, man. I got some people in this church that pray for me way more than I even pray for myself. So let me just, first of all, be very, very authentic and real and confessional. This has always been an area in which my wife and I have struggled. 
Sorry, maybe just splattered your image of your pastor. Some of you picture us every night. Meeting at the foot of the bed. In our white holy robes. Not really walking to the foot of the bed floating. Meeting at the foot of the bed and grasping hands. And praying for an hour. Warming up the intimacy, if you know what I mean. And then rising up and falling into bed. (laughs) Dude, it's just not like that. This has been a hard one for us. It's been a hard one for us. And so if you're here and it's hard for you, I just want to kind of help you out. Like, we don't, we pray together and we pray with our kids and our family at dinner time. And, and I want to kind of try to get you to see a, a broader vision of prayer for your marriage. Maybe you will float to the foot of your bed and do that. Maybe some of you already do. Can we have lunch this week? I'd really like to talk to you. But you know what Amy Lynn and I have learned how to do as we're trying to raise five kids and lead this church? You know, on the way out the door, hey, how, how can I pray for you today? A text. Hey, I'm praying for you today. Or, hey, I've got this big important meeting coming up or this decision. Will you pray for me? Uh, an email. Some of you, some of you just, you, you have a hard time praying. And so here's the thought. Take the time to craft out a prayer in an email. Knock it out. Send it to your spouse. There's something incredibly intimate and powerful about a couple that prays together or prays for one another. I can't explain it. There's an intimacy that comes in being prayer partners with your spouse, which is why I say to single dating people, be careful praying with your boyfriend or girlfriend. And never, under any circumstances, pray while lying down horizontally. It's a whole other subject for a whole other day, but I think you know what I'm saying. There's something intimate, like... If you haven't read the book, The The Power of a Habit, I encourage you to to read this book. Um, But in in this book, you could read it this summer, great summer read. In this book, the author talks about certain keystone habits. That's what he calls it. His language, not mine. Keystone habits. And keystone habits are those habits that if we do them, everything else kind of falls in place. You know what I'm talking about? Like, Pastor Chad, you and I, I think we were, yeah, we were. We were at dinner not long ago, and we started talking about flossing. Like, I got to tell you something. Flossing, I hate it with a passion. Lord, please don't make us floss in heaven. I hate it. You know what I'm saying? I hate flossing. But you know what I've learned about flossing? If I don't floss, everything else in my life tends to kind of go to a funk place. You know what I mean? Like, if I don't floss. But it's, it's interesting. When I do floss, when I do floss... I exercise more, I eat better, I think I work better, I, I, I definitely um, run more, I, I, my weight is better. When I floss, everything else tends to fall in place. It's, a, it's what the author would say is a keystone habit for me. 
And some of you are like, that's my problem. I need to start flossing. I haven't done it in two years. That's funky right there. I'm just saying. But like, like if I don't floss, I'm not, if I don't floss, it's like, dude, my eating goes to kaputs. I don't exercise like I should. You know, I show up at work. One of the staff members at the church here says, hey, man, you're looking fat. I punch him in the throat. The personnel team lets me go because they can do that. I'm no longer your pastor. I'm on my way home. Popo stops me. I'm unemployed. So I don't care. So I run. Then I get arrested. Faces on the front page of the paper. In jail again. Why? Because I didn't floss. Might be a little exaggeration, but you see what I'm saying? It's a keystone habit for me. Come on, come on, come on, come I can't explain it, but I can promise you it's true. A keystone habit for you awesome couples that are dating right now. Remember, sitting up, not lying down. A keystone habit for you married people. It's prayer. I can't explain it. But I can tell you it's true. If a couple will pray together in various and sundry ways, everything else starts to fall in place. If I'm praying for my spouse, it's a lot harder to have an affair If I'm praying for and with my spouse, it's a lot harder to look at an inappropriate website. If I'm praying for and with my spouse, it's a lot easier to love her till death us do part. So help me, God. It's a key stone habit. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. Forgive their sin and heal their land. Prayer. Second thing. Keystone habit. Serve Christ through his church. Here's the key word. Here's the key word. Together. Serve Christ through his church together. Do you mean, Pastor, we got to serve in the exact area? No, 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 but those, that's awesome when you do. We got lots of couples who do that. Guys, can I just speak to you man to man for a moment? We have a tendency to fall really short here. 
Women serve the church. Most of them. I will got to tell you, I've actually realized as we've, as we've started to grow this incredibly racially diverse church. Anybody thankful for that? Anybody thankful for that? Praise God for that. Men, I'm going to come back to you. African Americans, let me speak to you for just a moment. I've actually discovered something. And I, I know I'm broad stroking here, so give me some grace, but I've discovered it. And it's, it's kind of panning out over and over and over again. When I go to the Next Steps room and I meet people, when I have membership classes and I meet people, and when I talk to my brothers and my sisters in Christ who love this church, they actually share how they aren't really aware of the fact that they are welcome to serve in the church. It's as if Somewhere in the black church, again, I'm brawl stroking, I know, but somewhere in the black church or the African-American church, I think, I think maybe you were taught that, that that stuff is for the pastor and the elders who wore the white gloves. Come on now, we got to get us some white gloves up around here. And, and so I hear this a lot from my brothers and said, oh, so I can actually serve? You actually need me in the church? Listen to me, brothers and sisters. You're daggone right we need you. And without you, this church can't be God's full potential, God's full vision of what he wants to do with this church. We can't reach that if you're not serving. Now back to my brothers. Man. Take your wife's hand and say we are going to serve Christ together we are going to get involved and we are going to serve his church better and more faithfully and watch him bless our Marriage. Something happens when a man and a woman pray together and when they serve the church together, it's a keystone habit. Ephesians says this. Ephesians, read it out loud with me from chapter 3, 10 and 11. Are you ready? Say amen. Ready? Go. His intent was that now through the, through the what? Let's continue. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. His intent is that his manifold wisdom would be made known through, through the Rotary Club, through Kiwanis, through the Masonic Lodge, through what? The church. The church. The church. If you're new around here and you don't know this, I say this multiple times throughout the year. I'm head over heels in love with the church. I love the church. I know it's had problems in history. I know it's not perfect. FYI, it's not perfect because it's made of people like you and me. But there's nothing like the church when she's running right. There's nothing like the church when she is, when she is lifted up and prayed for, when, when she is served by men and women who get a glimpse of the redemptive power of the church in the world. There's nothing like her. 
You want a keystone habit for your marriage, one that will bless your marriage, one that will give you the chance to make it till death us do part. Listen. Pray with your spouse. Pray for your spouse. Make prayer the center of your marriage. And roll up your sleeves together and serve Christ. You say, how? Glad you asked. Right in that rotunda, there's a volunteer fair where you can go out here today as a couple, as a dating couple. You can sign up for a ministry area. And you can take some of that attention, some of that focus that you put on one another as you idolize and demonize. You can put it straight on Christ and his church and watch him bless your marriage. Group link tomorrow night. Some of you couples could host a life group and do it wonderfully. And your marriage and your home and your life would go to a whole nother level in terms of blessing and favor because you got your eyes off of one another for a while and you're serving Christ and his people. It's keystone habits. About 15 years ago, I got called at 3 o'clock in the morning. It wasn't a surprise. I knew the phone call was coming. It was from Marie Buckner. Marie Buckner was a saint at the last church I served. She was 83 and her husband Clyde was 89. I'd been journeying with his family for quite some while. They were leaders in the church. They were an unbelievable couple. And Clyde had been on a slow, slow fade, a retirement plan, if you will, to retire from this world into the next. And So I got the phone call at 3 o'clock in the morning, and Marie said, Reverend, back when I used to be called Reverend. By the way, don't call me Reverend. Please. There's only one who we revere, and his name is Jesus. You know, call me something. Call me Pastor. Call me Benji. Call me bad names. Don't call them to my face. <laughs> she said, Reverend, I think it's time. Got up and I rode to the Buckner house. Grabbed Clyde's hand and sat around the bed and read a passage of scripture. I'm almost certain it was 1 Corinthians 15 on the resurrection of Christ. Read that passage of scripture with the tubes coming out of Clyde's nose and mouth and the family gathered around Clyde looked at his beautiful bride of over 60 years and he said I'll see you later and he breathed his last as I would go and visit Marie in the weeks ahead we got to talking about their marriage, and I asked her, I said, Marie, how'd y'all do it? How did you, how did you go so long? How did, you, how did you stay married for all those years, and, and you seemed to be so fulfilled and content with one another? How did you do it? And she said, Reverend, she said, we did a lot of things wrong, but here's what we did right. We prayed together, and we served as church prayed together and we served his church and yes I wrote it down 
foundation of this message. Will you pray with me? If you happen to be sitting by a person that you're dating or a spouse, why don't you again just grab their hand, if you will. I want to first of all pray for the single people who are here today. God, I pray that you have spoken to their heart. And if you're here and you are a single person, and you would say, you would declare that from this day forward, you're actually going to cut against the grain, against the tide, against the stream of culture. And you're going to understand that your future spouse will not and shall not ever be your number one. But that your number one is going to be Jesus Christ and Him alone. And if you're here today and you would declare, you know what, I am going to serve my number one, Jesus, while looking for my number two. If that is you, I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand right where you are right now. Just lift it up high. Oh, that is awesome. Keep raising them up. Keep raising them up. All of our campuses, raise them up. Up high, hold them up. Father, for these who have their hands raised... God, bless them. Let them do fruitful ministry. God, anoint them from the crown of their heads to the soles of their feet. Father, would you bless them and set them apart to do your work. And as they are seeking first your kingdom, God, we praise you in advance for bringing their number two to the table, to the relationship. If it is your will that they would be married one day or that they would date a significant other, But God, they're going to get their eyes off of trying to find number one and realize you have already been found and your name is Jesus. Father, I want to pray for the married people here today. God, thank you for their marriage. Thank you that they would be sitting here together in church. For those who are married, God, and and their spouse is not here, thank you for their spouse. Give them a fresh vision of their marriage. And if you're here and you are a married couple, and you would say that from this day forward, though you might not know how to pray, though you might not know what to say, though you might not know how to serve or where to serve, from this day forward, so help me God, we're going to start integrating more prayer into our marriage. And we're going to actually serve the cause of Christ on planet earth together. If that is you and you're a married person or a couple, raise your hand right where you are. Just lift them up high. Yes, again. Wow. Keep them up. All heads bowed. Eyes closed. Hold them up. All of our campuses. Father, I pray for the married people that are here. Thank you for the way in which you're going to change, restore, and renew their marriage. God, let them remember this day their vows. May they cry out to you together on a regular basis. So, help us, God. We're going to pray for one another. We're going to pray together. We're going to take our children by the hand. We're going to pray over dinner. When it's in our home or when it's in a restaurant, we're going to pray. We're going to walk out of this church today, God. And if we're not serving you together, today that ends. 
We're going to serve you. And as we move toward you in prayer and service to your church, the bride of Christ, we're going to trust and believe that you're going to bless our marriage, carry us the distance, so that people would look at our lives and our marriage and our children and give glory and honor and praise to Jesus. For we pray it in his name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the top of our homepage. We hope you'll join us next week. May God bless you and thank you for being a part of our church family.